Hi guys and welcome back to the Blended Christian Podcast, a podcast that helps make traditional Christianity easier and understandable in this modern world. I am your host, Mela Blends, and today we are getting into the fifth episode. The fifth episode, guys. And before I actually go there, I just want to thank every single one of you and show my appreciation for your constant support, your monthly support monthly basis support it's been really amazing the feedback that i've been getting i just give glory to god glory to the holy spirit for really like uplifting this podcast and you know giving me the honor and the pleasure of being used as a vessel to speak to you guys it's really it's really encouraging seeing the numbers seeing how they keep growing and people are listening and being attentive people are engaging and yeah i'm just i'm just really grateful i'm really grateful glory to god glory to the holy spirit and yeah it's been amazing it's been great and i know it's only the beginning in fact it is actually just the beginning we still have a lot of seasons a lot of episodes to get through the word of god doesn't stop okay doesn't stop we need to minister until the last day the last day so episode five i'm sure you're thinking like the way what does that even mean what does that even mean so we are going to dwell on how is jesus the way to the father why does the bible say that what is it why is it so important to acknowledge the role that jesus played in our eternal life in in ensuring that we receive eternal life with the father why is that so important and what does that actually mean because everyone just says okay jesus is the way to the father but what does that actually mean how much of that is actually so important to us and how much of that should we acknowledge because of the sacrifice that it encompasses okay so yeah let's get into episode five the way Okay, so I'm sure you guys know the drill by now. We have a protocol around here. We know how to operate around here. Usually, most of the time, we have a verse. We have definitions of certain words in the verse that would help us get to a revelation or an explanation. And then we have the explanation slash revelation. So it's verse, definition, revelation just so that we can get a deeper understanding and a deeper meaning of what the holy spirit is trying to say to us through the word okay so the verse that encompasses this whole episode is john 14 verse 4 to 6 so i'm going to read it but we're not going to do the whole you know structure and protocol on this verse as of yet and possibly we won't do that protocol throughout every verse that is going to be read here but i just want us to keep this verse in the back of our heads because it is the core of the episode so yeah john 14 verse 4 to 6 i'm reading from the english standard version but you can read from any translation that you want and yeah we'll just keep this verse at the back of our heads so the word of the lord reads And you know the way to where I am going. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? Okay? Cool. Cool. So we're just going to focus on the first part, the way. And then if the Holy Spirit allows us, we will go through the truth and the life. But from this verse, we already get we get the knowledge that you need to know Jesus is the way. You need to know Jesus as the way. You need to know Jesus in general. You need to know him as the truth. The word of God is the truth. You need to believe in the truth. And you need to know he's the life. You need to know. I want to say know the life of Jesus. But not just that. I feel like you need to know that he is life. So with those three, that is the way to the Father. That is how you will know how to get to the Father. Through a way, a truth, and a life. And all three are Jesus. Okay? Fine. Like I said, we'll just keep that at the back of our heads. And we will move on. So we will focus a lot on the book of Colossians in this episode. Yeah, Colossians really showed me flames when I was reading it. So we'll just do that. So yeah, Colossians is really going to help us understand, especially the first chapter. It's going to really help us understand in what, like the depth of how Jesus, you know, is the way to God and how he created this, like through his existence, through his death and through his resurrection he created a way for us to reconcile with the father so chapter one is called the preeminence of christ okay now we'll just use the protocol because i i didn't even know what preeminence meant so preeminence according to oxford dictionary according to google okay there's nothing complicated here as usual we use google is the fact of surpassing all others meaning being superior so it's basically the superiority of Christ and this this title is from the English Standard Version still so it might not be the same for other um, translations but yes the superiority of Christ in verse 15 Colossians 1 verse 15 it says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In the Good News translation, it says he is the visible likeness of God. Likeness meaning the resemblance, the outward appearance of God. So he is the visual representation of God. Basically, if you want to see God in the flesh, in the physical, Look at Jesus, basically. So, now let's look at the word firstborn. Because the word says he is the firstborn of all creation. So, we could just go the route of, as the word says, before Abraham, Jesus was there. But also, after he resurrected the, resur- the, the resurrection allowed the rest of us to resurrect after him. It was the resurrection that gave him, it was actually the, the death and the resurrection that gave him the authority, the right to be the firstborn of all creation. 
Okay, I know it sounds a little bit confusing, but we will go in depth and we will try to understand it together. Okay, we're still on Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Okay, um, yeah, we're going to read verse 18 and it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent remember we said preeminent is superior that's the meaning of that word so in everything he might be superior okay firstborn from the dead let's focus a little bit on that remember we just said that him resurrecting gave him the right to be the firstborn and him resurrecting gave him the right to be the first of the first offspring the first person in this family the family what family is that? The body of Christ, the church, me and you, that's the family. So he's the firstborn in this family, okay? I'm just trying to make it simple. It obviously does not say family per se, but yes. Basically, he is the source of life of the body. That is also what another translation says. I, yeah, so he is the source of life of the body, the church, raised from the dead in order that he alone might have first place in all things. I think that's good news translation. But yes, that's what the Bible says. So what kind of life are we talking about when we say he's the source of life? We are talking about eternal life. Okay, we will touch on that and what it really is and the benefits of accepting this eternal life, you know, towards the end. But yes, the source of life that we are talking about is not just any old boring life. It is the eternal life, the main life that everyone strives for. Okay. And then after the resurrection, a new eternal life was now possible. Okay, that's what it's saying. Jesus had it first and now he's ushering us into it he had to die get resurrected create the concept of eternal life and now he is ushering us into it even now after we accept jesus as our lord and savior we get ushered into how we live in this eternal life through reading the word and obeying the word okay so that we do not end up dying again or living the old life that we used to live so as we are being ushered into this new world into this new life where me and you as the body of christ as those that have accepted jesus as our lord and saviors we never die we just find jesus living there already he's ready to guide us on how to live in this new world okay the word is what guides us in this new world like i said it teaches us how to live how to keep our eternal lives he is the word we already know that jesus is the word and in this concept he is the like the older brother who looks exactly like the father remember we said he's the visual representation so he looks exactly like the father and once you accept and receive eternal life he says okay come let me show you how to live around here and how to be closer to our parent, how to be closer to the Holy Spirit and to God. This is why it is important to read the word, to read Jesus, to get to know Jesus, because that is the manual to understanding eternal life. Eternal life starts now, by the way. 
it's not gonna start when you die physically it started when you went to the altar and you said jesus i accept you as my lord and savior and i accept the holy spirit it started when you when you said those words you meant it with your heart and you you started living a righteous and holy life so yeah that is why it is important to read the word because it's not it's going to help us maintain the life that we have proclaimed and that that we have said and believed in with our hearts so we know now like we said that eternal life starts now not in heaven not after your body decomposes and your spirit is roaming around it starts now the moment you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe that the Holy Spirit is now with you and you want to live a Christian life that's when your eternal life starts so it is important to get to know the Holy Trinity through the Word of God which is Jesus so now we'll move to Colossians 1 verse 19 to 20 and I'm gonna read from the Good News translation this time for it was God's own decision that the Son has in himself the full nature of God through the Son then God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself God made peace through the Son's blood okay we see decision or decide or decided twice so we will dwell on that definition okay we're going back to the structure first definition revelation we've read the verse now it's time for definitions for certain words either in the verse or in the definition that we find for the words that are in the verse okay so let's focus on the word decision it says god for it was god's own decision and god decided to bring the whole universe back to himself okay so decision or decide is to give judgment concerning a matter to come or bring a resolution in the mind as a result of consideration now we're going to go into resolution and consideration because that's also important for us to get into the revelation Resolution is the action of solving a problem, the passing of discord into concord. That already tells us that there was a problem that needed to be solved. Something was causing discord between man and God. Something was causing discord on earth. And this problem, this discord could only be solved by a decision by made by God to put the nature put, to put his own nature in his son and also he decided to bring the whole universe back to him by making peace through the son's blood through the death and the blood of Jesus the problem had to be solved okay we'll find out what the problem is or let me just put it bluntly actually the problem was that we were separated from god but my question is why did jesus have to die for us to have reconciliation with god why did he why did it have to be blood that 
brought peace between God and the universe. You know, blood is just usually we see blood when it's when it's war, when it's pain, when it's when you get hurt. Why did someone have to get hurt and to the point where they had to bleed in order for us to have peace? Because that's a little bit ironic and contradictory, but we will get into that. Consideration, the definition of consideration, which we got from the definition of decision, we're still there, is careful thought. It is fact or motive taken into account. It is thoughtfulness and sensitivity towards others. And it is a payment or reward. Fine. So he paid within, with the the blood of his son we already know that he put the full nature of himself in the son okay so we know that he paid with his son he paid with his own image and likeness because we also know that jesus was the image of the invisible god the visual representation the visual visible likeness the resemblance the outward appearance of god so that's what he decided to pay with God put himself into something and offered himself to die on the cross for people that might sin against him. And actually not might, that sin against him every day. Some others don't even accept him, but he died for those people too. He died for the sinners. He died for, for those ones that don't believe in him uh, or the atheists. He died for the Jews. He died for, for the Hindus. He died for every single person that we can think of. Whether, whether they, they sin in this way or that way, he died for them. So he used his own image and likeness to make us. And then we sin and we were subject to eternal death, right? Right? It says in Genesis chapter 1 that he, he said, let us make man in our image. And he was talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit that we were made in his image. So in order to rectify that, he needed to use someone or something that was also in his image to take us out of the situation, to create a resolution, to create concord from discord, to create a solution out of a problem, to create peace out of chaos, okay? So we were subject to eternal death because of the sin that Adam and Eve did and the sin that we continue to do every day. We are subject to death, that's the payment. We are subject to not to being far from God. I heard another pastor or another man of God saying that hell is is the definition of hell, the actual definition of hell or the practical definition of hell is being far from God. And that is what we are subject to if we do not believe in the, the eternal life. And, and we do not understand the meaning behind the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, therefore, it took his own image, like I said, and his likeness to put to death that sinful life, that sinful and old life, and bring in the new life again through the same image. The same image that he created us in was the same image that he had to sacrifice to bring us back into the life that he created us to be in. Adam and Eve were supposed to flourish and dominate earth. But now the earth does, no longer belongs to the people of God. 
So that had to be rectified. Peace had to be restored. We need a new life because the old sinful one took us away from God. So the resolution was to justify the new life by paying and sacrificing what we are already made up of to bring in the reward of new life. That is why it is important to be born again and accept eternal life, to be closer to God and to not be subject to eternal death. I hope you guys got that. I think I expanded enough on that. I hope you guys got that. So let's go back to the issue of the blood of Jesus. Why did Jesus have to die for us? Why, why was it blood? So one thing my mom has always said is that the life of a being is in its blood my mom was the first person to say that to me years ago and then i think i kept on hearing it through pastors and other women and men of god but it stuck with me so the life of a being is in your blood in each of us we have blood that has our dna that has the information blood has the information of our what we are we are consisting of okay it has our dna it has once something loses blood you die and your family background your lineage is also in your blood when you want to check where you come from you check it in the blood okay think about that literally and figuratively where you come from is in your blood so now let's look at blood what does the dictionary say about blood i'm only going to use one definition because there's many i don't want to use the the physical one that we know that blood is that thing in your veins the liquid in your veins i want to use the one that says it is a temperament that is fiery or passionate so temperament is a person's or animal's nature especially as it permanently affects their behavior so Verse 19, like I said, the full nature of God is in him. And nature, according to the dictionary, is essential qualities or characteristics of a person. This means that God put his own originality and reputation on the cross. We are so important to God that he had to sacrifice his reputation, his qualities, his character, he had to send all of that to earth to be tested, to be trained, to be in the wilderness, to be spat on, to be whipped, to be crucified, to be killed for us. In the form of that reputation came in the form of his son to rectify our mistakes. And let's see how he did that. How did he do that? He had to do it through the blood of someone made in his image, someone made in his likeness, because in that blood was his life, his lineage, his definition. So when we speak about the blood of Jesus, it is not some small stuff. In verse 18, we read that he is the source of life of the church, and he became that as well as the firstborn son through what? His death his resurrection, his blood dripping from his body onto the cross, onto the floor, onto the people watching him, the blood that we pray according to and we plead 
on ourselves and on everything that belongs to us today. The church is a product of the blood because we just said that life is in the blood. And if Jesus is the source of life for the church, then the church has to be the product of the blood of Jesus. The church is made from the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus. And that is the only way that it can breathe life onto the congregation. That is the only way that it can resemble and produce life unto the people of the church. By being born of the blood of Jesus. The church cannot exist without the blood of Jesus. I want to emphasize this. Jesus is the biography of the church. This is why if you are at a church that doesn't preach the death and the resurrection, listen to me carefully, and the resurrection of Christ, then that is not the right church. You preach Jesus crucified. If you don't, then you are not doing the will of God. You are not teaching the gospel. That church does not have life, basically. If the church or you as an individual does not believe in the blood and base your new life, your new eternal life that you claim to have or believe that you have or that you truly do have, if you don't base that life on the death and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then number one, you are still far from God. And number two, you don't have life. You don't have a story besides one of sin and eternal death okay so when Adam and Eve were born we were born from that lineage of Adam and Eve then came the sinful nature that corrupted the original life in which we were meant to be born into in order to be born into the new life and fix the reputation of God like we said the nature of God God sacrificed his nature, his reputation, his originality, his qualities, his character. So in order to fix uh, us, ourselves, our, our mistakes, and to fix the reputation of God, we needed God's original life that he planned for us. He needed us to be ushered into this new life, into a new lineage, that started the moment Jesus was born again, basically. The moment Jesus was resurrected. So this is a new life without sin. And we see this in verse 21. The easy standard version, sorry, not easy. The English standard version says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, him being God. So when we look at alienated, hostile and mind in the dictionary, alienated means isolated and estranged. Estranged means no longer close to. And as we already read, and as I've already been saying, we were no longer close to God because of the sinful nature that we were born into. Okay? And then, hostile means feeling 
or showing opposite opposition or dislike okay and then we have mind your awareness consciousness and thoughts the things that you regard as important that is your mind so awareness when i look at it according to the context is knowledge of a situation a concern about a well informed interest so i'm going to say your self awareness okay i'm going to say your self awareness because we are already we already know that we are made in god's image right so if you are if your awareness is one that is not close to god or that does not know god then it's hard to believe that you know yourself your true self your destiny your purpose i don't think you know if you are far away from god you will never get to the point of full fulfillment and full content being fully content that's what i believe so the death the blood of jesus christ did what to help us to know god and to be close to god and to not oppose god verse 22 says reconcile okay so our self awareness our consciousness and thoughts were estranged they were no longer close to god therefore we became opposed and even possibly disliked god and everything he spoke about so you see different christians being like nah um they they just ridicule the word and say that no the word the word is man made the word is this and that but it goes against everything that man desires number 1 and number 2 they're like no christianity is just a, a book full of rules that shows dislike for god whether you know that you that this happens or not it happens okay so when when jesus reconciled us with god he got rid of that hostility and alienation in our minds the fact is it is in your mind god never caused this on us it is the adamic sin that we were born into reminds me of when adam and eve hid from god after they ate the the fruit the forbidden fruit they became awake and i'm putting that in inverted commas they became aware that they were naked and the hiding was a symbolism an act of no longer being close to god you don't hide from someone you are close to you run to them so we inherited this life in spirit and we stay like this if we don't believe in the way to the father which is jesus christ and when i say naked let me let me give a definition of naked This means to express openly. Naked means expressing openly. We express openly to people that we are close to. Your friends, your family, if you are close to them, you ex- you tell them everything, you express everything, but they hid. They hid because they were naked. They hid because they found out who they truly were and they wanted to hide that from God. So this is what living in your sin does. You are undisguised. The same way accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior is also evident of you like it is evident once you you do that your life is never the same. Okay? So 
the bible says we can't please god without faith the whole idea of salvation is faith in jesus you can't impress god without faith you can't speak to god without jesus you can't impress god without jesus his blood his name you can't be his child without jesus you can't see god without jesus you can't experience god without jesus that's the bottom line recognize and acknowledge jesus in your attempts to get closer to god and that is how you will know the father that is how you will know yourself because we are made in his image okay so 1 John 5 verse 4 to 5 we'll read from the English standard version says for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God okay so which world which world are we talking about when we say the one who is born of God becomes the world? Good News Translation says the one who is a child of God overcomes the world. And we know that we become children of God when we accept Jesus because Jesus is the firstborn and he ushers us into living this new life as a child of God. Okay? So, which world are we talking about? The world of sin. The old world that reaps the consequences of sin, of our past life, of, you know, life that, that results in eternal death. So the opposite of life with righteousness in God through Jesus Christ. Okay, remember I described eternal life as a new world where Jesus is our older brother teaching us how to live in it and how to get to the father this opposes that world of sin okay so the when we look at our faith faith is the tool for this victory for this overcoming this is the tool we used or we use through or by believing that jesus is the son that jesus is alive resurrected and that is and believing that jesus is the son of god is the key to that victory and overcoming the world your past life your flaws your pains your struggles your sins your natural desires you being subject to the devil and his attacks and you being subject to eternal death in hell it ain't it ain't got nothing on you when you believe that jesus is the son of god okay and then we will look at Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12. So Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So before I go deeper into this subject, I think it is important to note that the spirit and the soul are often contenders. They are often fighting against each other because the soul is easily contaminated and easily manipulated to do the deeds of the enemy the soul is filled with your thoughts your soul 
yeah, your soul is just the one that Jesus has come to save. Your spirit is your inner man. That's the one that you connect to God with. Okay, so they're usually contending. But this verse is saying that the word of God is sharp enough to cut through that division, cut through that con- contending and impact that division, that, that principle that is between the, the spirit and the soul. So with that being said, um, this verse still ties in with the point of eternal life and Jesus being the way. And I'm going to explain why. So in terms of the word of God being living and active, we know that Jesus is alive. This is just the reiteration that he's not dead. He resurrected and he's alive. That's just the, the literal meaning. And then another definition of living is the pursuit of a lifestyle or means of earning a sufficient life. Okay, the pursuit of a lifestyle or means of earning a sufficient life. So this is saying that the way of living that we need to establish and the way that and and that we need to live in order to live a sufficient life is found through Jesus. Jesus ushering us into this life and ushering us through this life as the word of God. So the other thing is active Active means engaging or pursuing a place, activity in a particular way. That is what the word of God is doing. So with that being said, we know according to the definitions of living and active when we describe the word of God, we know that the word wants to be engageful and impactful in your life in a way that gives you the lifestyle that you look forward to attaining and obtaining and maintaining. So this is the goal that the word of God has for our lives. So when we look into the the fact that the word of God is like a two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, this tells us that, that there is no place that the word of God cannot reach to ensure that you get eternal life and reap the benefits of it fully in its full capacity. So your body or your ligaments, your spirit, your soul or your thoughts and your heart, within all those things, there is no stone left unturned within you. There is no place inside of you that cannot be fully transformed by the word and everything that it brings, including eternal life. Eternal life is a all-rounded thing. It can't get, you can't get eternal life only for your soul or your spirit and not for your heart. Every area in your life has the possibility of receiving eternal life. You just need to surrender everything from head to toe, inside out, surrender everything to Jesus and the belief that Jesus is the Son of God as we've already said in 1 John 5, verse 4 to 5. Okay, so now we move on to the benefits of eternal life. So I'm going to go according to the word of God and just give points um, briefly. So number one is that there is no judgment, no perishing when you receive eternal life, but the person has passed out of death into life. So they never really die their spirit never really dies so when we look at die the definition of die it's usually to stop living but also you know that when when we say 
I'm dying for a good time or I'm dying for this and I'm dying for that. Like you really want something that much that, you know, you feel like you're dying for it. The same content also applies. So when I'm saying I'm dying for a good time right now, that's how it's going to feel without eternal life. You'll be dying to live, basically. That life that we spoke about before, that one that, that you look forward to and attaining, for as long as you don't have that eternal life, you'll always be, you know, having a void. You'll be dying to live that fulfilling life. A life that doesn't end. A life where you just keep pursuing a good lifestyle. You'd be, you'll be dying to be impactful and to be actually impacted and engaged with. You'd be dying to have something real, some kind of real connection. So that's one of the, the benefits that you won't have to experience everything that I just said now. You won't have to experience death and perishing and judgment. So that's in John 5 verse 24 and John 3 verse 16. Secondly, you live in knowledge of God. And like I said before, because you know God, then you know yourself because you are made in his image. We know him. That's in John 17 verse 3. Thirdly, your sins are washed away and you get closer to God. That is in Isaiah 59 verse 2, which tells us how we are separated from God because of sin. And how the blood of Jesus washes it away. And then lastly, we live in righteousness. That's 1 Peter 2 verse 24 and Colossians 2 verse 13. So righteousness just means right standing with God. You are aligned with God. And that those are the four benefits of eternal life. So now, like I said, we're going to go back to the scripture of John 4, verse, John 14, verse 4 till 6. So it says, I'm going to read it again just so that we can refresh our memory. It says, you know the way that leads to the place where I'm going. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. Then Thomas asks him, how do we know? How do we know how to get there? Verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. So the revelation that is in this verse is that you, when Jesus says to the disciples, you know the way, he's talking about himself. They knew, they knew Jesus. That's the only way that they could get to the place where he was going. It's by knowing him. Not knowing about him. Not knowing that, okay, no, there's a son of God. Okay, that's cool, fine. But knowing him, truly knowing him. In order to get to God, to get to heaven, you need to know Jesus. And the, the version that we have of Jesus right now is in paper. It's the Bible. When you know the Bible, you know the way to God. So you need to have a relationship with the word of God, your Bible, with Jesus. You need to spend time within the Bible like the disciples did when they had the physical Jesus. And like I said, we have the book now. So this is the, our way of spending time with Jesus, by reading your Bible so that Jesus can say to you, you know me, therefore you know how to get to heaven. And yeah, that's where I will leave us for today's episode. Hopefully that you have learned something. You've learned the importance of why we're saying that Jesus is the way to God, the way to heaven, and when now you understand how to, you know, 
why you believe in that and why is it why it is important because sometimes we just read this kind of verse we read these verses and just be like okay yeah i believe but you don't understand the full extent as to why is it important and what is in this whole statement you know jesus is not just speaking for nothing so when we indulge and look and and discover and explore what this really means for us we get a better understanding and a better belief in jesus so with that being said thank you guys for listening to another episode and yeah god bless i will catch you guys in the next one um please don't forget to engage with me on my social media at the blended christian podcast or leave a message here on anchor and i will get back to you Okay, shalom.